Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with the decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. Three o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show coming off an overtime win against Calgary on Tuesday, 4-3. The Coyotes are back in action tonight as their four-game homestand continues. They've got Vancouver tonight. And joining us right now, the general manager of the Arizona Coyotes, Bill Armstrong, who joins us here on Burns and Gambo. Bill, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. Did you fill out an NCAA tournament bracket or no interest in college basketball? Uh, gonna be, you know, I have no interest in college basketball. Um, it, it's hard at this job, like, you know, because you, you do have some interest. It's just at the point that you just don't have time. <laughs> and you know what? You know, the staff really doesn't ask me either. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. So I'm, I'm sure they all have their pools and everything, but they don't really ask the GM. You know? You know it's yeah. just they don't include me in that type of fun. So, Back yeah. in the day, we used to run a pool here. It was called the Andrew Jackson Pool. And Ronick and, and Kachuk and Dally Drake and Donor and Danny Briere and all those guys used to give me 20 bucks to get into the bracket because they had so much fun picking the teams. <laughs> Donor always thought he was good at it, but uh, but but he wasn't. But let, let, let's talk about the big news today. We got a story up on our website right now that Josh Doan has agreed to a three-year entry-level deal, and he's going to join the Roadrunners, going to play his first pro game on Friday against the Calgary Wranglers at the Tucson Convention Center. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a big signing for us. You know, Josh is a great kid. He's uh He's someone that, you know, in the draft, our scouts just pounded the table for. Uh, he's got some great hockey sense. And I think he makes everybody better on the ice around him. Um, you know, and, and, you know, at ASU, uh, this year was, uh, was, was, you know, a year where there were a lot of injuries on their team. Uh, it was, it was a tough year for injuries and he still managed to kind of lead that team. He was captain of the team. Uh, and he was always the best player on the ice every night. So we're really looking forward to him. You know, coming into uh, league and and uh, showing what he can do and, and get up and running in the pro game. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the, the the drafting, the second round picks, and you know, you you you've done a great job. Second round picks usually have a hard time making it in the NHL, but you've had a lot of success with second round picks. Yeah, and and everybody talks about the first round, and you guys are gonna have two first round picks this year. But but you guys put so much emphasis in those second rounds, and you've acquired a lot of assets yeah. in the second round. Tell me about your philosophy in drafting when you get to the second round. Well, I, I believe there's players there, uh, you know, and, 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 and you know we've drafted Yanis Moser, and we proved that we got him at the back of the second round, and he's a he's a heck of a player for us already. Um, I think you can make some hay. I think you can find some good play, players there. Um, I think there's always players that somehow have a bad year, something happens, and they always find you know success. And and uh, you know when I was with the Blues, drafted Jordan Cotteru and the Barbershevs out of those eras, and uh, you know the Joel Edmondsons and uh, the Vince Dunn's, they're all really good players in the NHL, and they and they and they had a huge impact, and, and they're found in the second round. So. A lot of the philosophy uh, that we had was to go out there and acquire as many second rounders as we can and take as many swings as we can. Um, also, at the same time, it allows us to, to to grab assets and move up in the draft because the second rounders do have value. I know baseball, basketball is a little bit different where like the second round has no value. <laughs> 
Like, none. You know, none. Uh, Very little. Yeah, yeah. It, none at all. So it's, it's, it's interesting. But in hockey, you can find players there. Bill Armstrong, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. One more question, at least for me, when it comes to, to Josh Doan. Is this a year early than maybe everybody thought this was going to happen with Josh? And if that's the case, what was the the reasoning or what was the impetus behind that acceleration for him? What what made it allowed it to happen faster than maybe we were expecting, Bill? Um, well, well, for us, I, I think that we were right on target. You know, okay. This is how we kind of had a plan was for him to kind of come out at this time and point, you know, spend two good years at college hockey. He had two great years at ASU and then make the next step. And uh, for us, he's right on track. He's right where he's supposed to be. Um, and, you know, he continues to, you know, he'll take his journey into the pros, uh, you know, soon. And he's going to play Calgary, the best team in the league down there. And, uh, you know, I've always had great value on when players jump in um, at the end of the season from, from amateur and they go and they play pro because then when they go train in the summer, they get an idea of what it's like in the pro life and how good they are and how you know, just their habits are. It can really help them for the next year. They go back and they know the standard of what the pro game's at and how, how they have to get better to, to get up there. I'm going to go back to the draft because I'm, I'm just fascinated by it. You know, you, you mentioned the NBA. Yeah, most NBA teams would rather have one first-round pick than five second-round yep. picks. And that's just the yeah. truth, five yeah. or six second-round picks. You you yeah. took you took a calculated gamble with the trade of, of, of Jacob Chikrin, and I completely yep. understand where you were coming from. The grades weren't very good, and you got criticized a little bit, but Ottawa's lost three yeah. games in a row right now. They're eight, they're eight points out of a playoff spot and running out of time. You took that gamble, yep. and I think everybody yep. thought Ottawa would make a run and get to the playoffs. Ottawa doesn't make the playoffs. You have a chance to maybe have the sixth overall pick in in the NHL yeah. draft with that trade. Yeah, I, I mean, it's there's some risk in the trade for sure, uh, depending where they finish. Uh, but there's also a lot of reward. Um, they've got one of the toughest road schedules out there, and they haven't played extremely well on the road. Um, so, you know, you never know how they're going to do. Um, uh, but, you know, from, from our calculations, it was a tough road schedule that they're going to go through. And when we put our odds in there, that it could be a pretty good pick. And, you know, uh, right now it looks to be that way, but uh, we'll see after the lottery falls and uh, on May 8th, and uh, we'll see where we're at there. Uh, yeah, and to, and to my point, I would imagine as a GM, you would rather have the sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth pick than two first round picks that are in the twenty. Is that correct? Yeah, you you can't. I mean, you you the high. I mean, if you take you know, let's say thirty and twenty seven in the first round, and you take those two first rounders and you trade up, you maybe get to fifteen. You know, maybe to fourteen. You know, where we've got a chance to pick anywhere from you know five to I, I think the pick will fall five to twelve. That's a good value for us. Uh, that you get a chance to get a money maker up in that area, and uh, you know it gives us, and it also gives us two second rounders. Um, you know, Washington. You never know how how that will fall next year. It could be a good pick, and then Ottawa uh, the following year. So we're going to get some, you know you know three really good picks out of it. Uh, we're happy about it. It's going to give us a chance to move forward as an organization. And you know, also you know people don't talk about this very much, but you know, with 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 moving Chick out of the organization and moving Ghost, you know, Valimaki and Moser. Have, 
you know, stepped up into the into the limelight and played very well. Um, our record has been extremely good uh, with those two guys taking on major minutes. And uh, and not to say what the, you know, the player that we picked up with Kesselring, he's a, he's a big rig too that can play back there. So and Mackie also too. So some of the young guys have had to step up, but it's actually helped us, and we've actually played pretty well with them in the lineup. Last one for Bill Armstrong is the Coyotes hosting Vancouver tonight at Mullet Arena, and I know we have asked you time and time again about Mullet Arena and how it's worked out for you there. Four in a row, nine, nine of your last 13, four in a row, 18-11-3 in that building. Crazy. It's crazy, right? I mean, it's, it's got to be even better than you thought it was going to be in terms of what that building has meant to you. Oh, it's it's just an amazing. Our comebacks there are just incredible. <laughs> like it's just been a and and you know it's a Tuesday night, you know, and and before we were at you know out in Glendale, and you know there, the atmosphere wasn't very good, and I'm sure Gamble's been there before, and on those Tuesday nights, it's just it, it, was, it was empty, you know, and Tough. and now we we go into a packed, sold out place. Our players love playing out of there. The fans love going there. Such a great atmosphere. The other team's got some fans in there exchanging back and forth. And it's just a special place. I mean, I don't, there's not another arena in the NHL that even comes close to that with the intimacy that that provides and the intensity. Uh, we got great ice there, so it's been a it's been a really unbelievable experience, and and you can see with our home record, you know, here we are in the middle of the rebuild, we're eight and eleven at home, so it's crazy, um, but it's it's been a great experience, and uh, very appreciative of that ramp. Bill, we appreciate the time as always. Best of luck tonight. Always good to chat with you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Uh, the last thing I would say, uh, Gamble, I look forward to seeing you with your Vancouver OEL jersey on up there in the stands. All right. <laughs> The guy ever played. I'll, wa- I'll wave to you from my box. All right. <laughs> oh man, is he still in the league? Bill was Bill was sitting on that like a ninja, just uh, waiting to strike. You know those, I love it. That's you great. know those big styrofoam uh, uh, hands that have one. You know what I mean? You're gonna have that on your hand with a jersey yeah. on the back. I didn't even know the guy was still. Be- I didn't even know the guy was still in the league. <laughs> 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 Bravo, Bill. Bravo. That was, so good. All right. that was the highlight of my day. That was, right the, that was the steal of the century sure when you made was. that trade, man. Good. That was the steal of the century. <laughs> good, good luck, Bill. Thanks uh, for the laugh. Rob All, right. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys. Thanks very much. Uh, you got it. Bill Armstrong, general manager of the Coyotes, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Uh, just real quick before we take a break. Oh, sure. Why not? Bad play music. Two and a half minutes to go in the game. This is disgusting. Princeton is down by one against Arizona. The 15 seed. 55-54. How many ASU fans right now are sitting there? Oh, please, God, oh, please course. let them right beat here. them. Right, right here. Right here. Right, right, right now. The class. He, he, ASU's, he, he, ASU plays this weekend and Arizona doesn't? <laughs> Sorry, who was that poll question about with the three teams? <laughs> yeah, yeah. UCU, yeah. baby. Just U of A. Just U of A. Just U of A. God, they're just panicking. They're not playing well. They didn't play. The guard play's been terrible. The guard play's been awful. Kirk Kirk Kreese has got three. Ramey's got eight. Henderson's got two. The Pella Larson's got two points. Guard play's been terrible. Just terrible. Do you feel like Princeton's mad that Ballo was talking uh, smack against smart people when they beat Stanford? (laughs) Maybe. Was that billboard material? Yeah, this is a victory for nerds everywhere. If Princeton can beat you of A today. Are you rooting for it? Um, The upset? I mean, you've got no ties to you. I have have no ties. Honestly, Princeton has the lead. Princeton just took the lead on a layup, driving layup. Hey, we may, we might have to cut to that at some point, like in a, in a final thirty seconds.
seconds or so. I think we can, right? I, I don't know. We'll have to check uh, with the lawyers and, and make sure we're allowed to. I think My we God, can. Princeton is Gambo, beating Arizona with a minute, a minute and 45 left. Yeah, it's nuts. All right, we'll come back. We'll update this game, see what's going on. we got to take a break here on the Burns and Gamble Show. When we come back, is U of A going to hold on, survive, and advance, or are they going to get bounced? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we're back here on the Burns and Gambo show. Uh, we don't believe we're allowed to take this um, because of rules and lawyers and stuff like that. But Princeton just hit a free throw. They're up two with 20 seconds to go, 21 seconds to go. U of A, their last possession was a wasted one. They didn't get anything out of it. Princeton worked the ball around, got an open shot underneath. U of A fouled the shooter, and the Princeton player just hit both free down throws. Down three with 21 seconds to go. U of A is down 58-55 with 21 seconds to go. Let's see how this ends and whether the Wildcats are going to get bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Oh, they're just playing for three. Courtney Ramey just airballed a three. Baller with the rebound. A look for Kirk Creason. He missed it. And Princeton has the ball and the rebound and foul. Arizona just got knocked out of the Arizona NCAA tournament. Arizona's going to lose. Arizona's going to the number two seed and the Pac-12 champs are out. <laughs> what a terrible possession. It was an awful possession. They took two terrible threes with time left. Courtney Raby was doing hero ball stuff out there on, outside the three-point line. Wow. Not working what the ball into Bellis. Oh, that was terrible. It was terrible. Jay Bellis picked them to win it all. Yeah, so President Biden, for goodness sakes. What's going on here? It's great. Wow. We actually have... Cambo, <laughs> you're working from home today. I wish you could see this. <clears throat> I've got four people on the other side of the glass. They're all watching the game from the newsroom here in the studio. It's great. I oh, mean, this wow. is, I mean, Lou Olson had a pension for going out in the first round quite a few sure times. Sure did. Uh, this is, is this worse than the Buffalo loss? <sighs> what, what seed were they when they lost to Buffalo? They were a four seed, I believe. Look that up wow. for me, will you? Wow. Uh, Arizona basketball. They lost to Buffalo with DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, right? Yeah. He played defense like a statue, I remember. <laughs> it was awful, wow. that game. Um, Arizona State's playing, and Arizona's not. Yeah, 59-55. All right, this, this, this thing is, is basically over. A four seed. This what? is worse. Buffalo was a 13 seed. Arizona was a four. Yeah, missed the second free throw on purpose. Arizona's out. It's official. It's done. 59-55. Princeton has eliminated the University of Arizona Wildcats. Wait, hold on. Burns, you, Burns, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> hold on. Oh, Gambo. Not only are we listening to the sound of your bracket being torn to shreds, we're listening to the sound of your heart breaking on live radio. I know. This has got to be breaking your heart. You loved this team. You loved these guys. They're a bunch of chokers. <laughs> chokers. <laughs> choke, 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 choke. Wow. Princeton. Wow. wow. 15 over a two. 15 over a two. My goodness. My goodness. Gambo, what do you got to say about this? They choked. They choked. Hold on, I'm just I'm just looking at something here for my own. Okay, ASU, Arizona basketball wasn't, history. All right, wasn't St. Peter's a 15 seed? 
Uh, St. Peter's? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about 15 seeds that beat two. I think Steve Nash and Santa Clara were 15. Well, they seed. beat Arizona. Yeah, back I think, in the day. I think Steve, when they beat Arizona. So Arizona's now lost twice as a two seed to a 15 seed. Nobody else has ever done that. All right. I Congratulations. Gotta... The only program in college basketball history to, to lose two games to a 15 okay, seed. I, I just, you are Arizona Wildcats. I just Googled 15 over two. Somebody has already updated the Wikipedia page. Oh, my God. Bravo. Somebody has already updated the Wikipedia page for 15s over twos. I remember St. Peter's last year. Yep, St. Peter's. I remember Santa Clara. Yep. And I think... Oh, there's more. Syracuse loses a two seed? Yeah, they did. Uh, Syracuse loses a two seed to Richmond back in 91. Okay, one more I could remember. One more. The, the USC coach... The USC coach was at that Florida school, and they won. Florida Gulf Coast beat Georgetown in 2013. I think that was the USC no. coach, right? Yeah, it was. And I've and I've got I've got all of them here in front of me. You I ready don't have for the this? rest of them. You, okay. you go ahead. I've got I them. All right. Remember. Princeton over Arizona this year. St. Peter's over Kentucky last year. Oral Roberts over Ohio State in 2021. Middle Tennessee versus Michigan State in 16. Florida Gulf Coast over Georgetown in 13. You had two in 2012. Lehigh beat Duke and Norfolk State beat Missouri. Hampton over Iowa State in 2001. Coppin State against South Carolina in 97. Santa Clara versus Arizona in 93. Yeah. Richmond versus Syracuse they in got 91. got that. Listen, they, listen, when you're going to lose, you might as well lose, go, go big. And they go big. The only school in the history of the NCAA tournament to lose to two 15 seeds your arizona wildcats wow and i love that you played the titanic deck music that was that was mitch marvelous he's giving me the forks up sign you asked me a question as we went into break and i have no ties to any of these teams no i went to u of a i went to nau i went to asu i went to all of them i was firmly rooting for the upset give me chaos i i have no grand illusions on winning a bracket i don't care about that give me the upset every day i don't i it's fun it's fun princeton just beat arizona for goodness sakes that's wow. fun wow okay. all right what a what a major disappointment that is i mean they let, let I me mean, look last year they had the team that could have won it all they lost to houston and that was a little bit of an upset they had a great team they had benedict matherin they had christian coloco they had dale and terry along with all the guys they have now they still had tabellus and creesa and they still had pele and uh, so this is just this is just a, this is your pac-10 tournament champions yep, sure is this is one of the top teams in the country they just lost to princeton 15s have beat twos now and i, I know i just read this it's three straight years now in the tournament. A 15 has beat a two. Um, Oral Roberts went all the way to the Sweet 16 two years ago. St. Peter's got all the way to the Elite Eight last year. And now Princeton this year. I would check on Jay Billis, not me. People would check on me. How about Jay Billis? Well, okay, here's another note. I'm sorry, now we're just reading off of Twitter here, but we got to stick with this for a minute. Why not? Uh, Darren Ravel, Arizona was tied for the sixth most bet on team to win the title. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the sixth month. There were only five teams that got more bets to win the championship than Arizona did. Yeah, somebody check on Jay Billis. Make sure wow. he's doing okay. I'm worried about you. I need my you. red marker because I got a lot. Now, I do not have them in the final four. So, you know the key to these brackets, right? You got to keep your final four teams. That's where you get all the points. You know, that's where you get them. I just, but I did lose an Elite Eight team just now. Um, Yeah, I lost. The brackets, so you got to have your final four. 
I lost the Sweet 16 team. I had Arizona losing in the Sweet 16 to Baylor. That's it. So it just, to me, it's not even that damaging. Not um, even that damaging. Having yeah. Arizona goes out. Gambo, I know you're working at home. Do we need to do a wellness check on you? Do we need to send somebody over there? <laughs> no, the I, actually, sure I, okay? actually, I actually got sick yesterday. I like really got sick. So I'm not like, and we always say like, yo, you got to call in sick during the NCAA tournament, you know? Yeah, if you like going to a sports bar to watch the games, I mean, I'm still working. Um, but I got, I just got, I just got sick. Um, so I'm working from home, so I don't get you guys sick. Uh, but la- I mean, listen, I I do. Th- this isn't the end of the world to me. I mean, I do I, like that team. I do I like the team, and I root for them, and I want them to do well. But I'm not breaking anything or throwing anything. I know. Uh, it's just that's extremely disappointing <laughs> that 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 group of kids weren't able well, to beat Princeton. This is just one of those moments where we just love to collectively give you crap, Gambo. That's all. I, I know you're not that heartbroken about it, but man, yeah. this is this is and, and to think that Princeton did it. They were four of 25 from distance. They, it's not like they even went crazy from three. They made four three-pointers the whole game. I mean, and they I, still won. I think, I mean, I, I think it was just a guard play for U of A. It was brutal. It was yeah. terrible. Look, we, As we, I was watching the game, those guys couldn't hit a shot. We talked about this earlier in the week. If a team, I didn't think Princeton was going to do it, but they turned this into a rock fight, man. The two teams, neither team shot better than 43% from the floor. Neither team shot better than 20% from three. It was an absolute total rock fight. Arizona had 55 points with about five minutes to go in the game. They ended the game with 55 points. They didn't score a single point in the last four and a half minutes of this game. Wow. Huge wow, upset. huge! Creasy was You know, Creasy. You can. He's a liver die type player. And I remember talking with Casey Jacobson about you know Creasy, and he he thought that Boswell should play over Creasy. Um, you know, or Henderson should play over Creasy because he's just so hit or miss. He was all missed today. One of seven from the field, only two assists for your point guard. Wow, not terrible. Kirk Creasy was terrible. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are heading to Chase Field one night only on December 8th. Tickets go on sale next Friday at 10 a.m. You can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. How far would you trade down if you're the Arizona Cardinals? There's a new mock out there with yet another idea on just how far they should go next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, well, the dust settles on the major upset of the tournament so far. Arizona, a two seed, losing to Princeton, a 15 seed, as Eric so eloquently put the Sports Center update. First team in tournament history to fall as a two seed twice over the course of their program's history. That would be Remember, if you got to suck, you might as well suck bad. Yeah, I, I guess so. That's Gambo's you know? theory when it comes to yep. this. And U of be A's, bad, be bad. If you're going to be bad, be really, really bad. And mm. U of A was really, really bad today. We'll continue to talk about that, obviously. It's the upset of day one of the tournament, no question so far. Uh, but we also need to talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Free agency continues. The quarterback market is dwindling to a certain extent. We've got another one off the board when it comes to quarterbacks. Gardner Minshew, one-year deal with the Indianapolis Colts. $3.5 million fully guaranteed. It could be worth up to $5.5 million. There are very reachable incentives for him to get there.
there. There is yet another quarterback who will not be coming to the Cardinals if the Cardinals were, in fact, looking for a quarterback to come to the Cards. I think that's the first thing you have to ask yourself the question. Are they looking for a quarterback? I know We think that they should be. Um, but nobody's come out and said that they are in the market. And if they are, they're certainly letting a lot of quarterbacks go by the wayside. Like, you know, they're certainly not, you know, trying to get the best out of the group because what they're going to be left with is going to be left, left with this pile of garbage if they need to add one. Now, you, if, if Colt McCoy's ready to play and they feel confident that he's going to be the guy, then so be it. Um, but I thought that they might have gone after, you know, more of a experienced quarterback that has a chance that if they're going to play five, six games without Kyler Murray, that, that Colt could be the backup and that whoever they signed could be the starter. But you're getting to the point, you really are, you're getting to the point where I don't know that there's many quarterbacks left that are available that you could say are even better than Colt McCoy. No, I mean, at this point, I mean, you start talking about who's left and who's gone now. You look at a list and here, Teddy Bridgewater's still out there. Carson Wentz is still out there. Matt Ryan's still out there. Marcus Mariota is still out there. There are others, um, but those are like the kind of the, I can't believe I'm saying this. Those are the premier quarterbacks that are left out there. And I really big names, you know, they're big names because, you know, I mean, you know, Teddy Bridgewater was a first round pick and he was really great in Minnesota before the devastating injury. Um, And, but he's been played for Minnesota. He's played for New Orleans. He's played for Carolina. He's played for Denver. He's played for Miami. He's been on five different disciplines. Whatever team he signs, it's going to be a six team, you know, and he's 30 years old. So there's not a lot left to choose from. I'm not sure that there's anybody that you can get. We're going to be like, oh, I feel really confident that that guy's going to help the Cardinals win some games. All right, we'll keep an eye on free agency, obviously, and what the Cardinals decide to do, not only a quarterback, but at the other positions as well. In the meantime, the draft, really starting to focus in on that, too, uh, given that the, the Cardinals clearly aren't going to be highly active in free agency. We certainly expect them to use the draft to try to reset some things. So we really keep an eye on the mocks to see what the suggestions are out there. You passed along a mock draft from Pro Football Focus, a three-round mock draft in which the Carolina Panthers take C.J. Stroud. Looks like they got the Colts moving up. Uh, I'm looking at the, the draft right now. They've, no, they've got the Carolina Panthers taking C.J. Stroud. They've got Bryce Young going number two to the Houston Texans. They've got the Cardinals staying put and taking Will Anderson. The Colts staying put and taking Anthony Richardson at number yeah. four. Now, the thing about this three-round mock draft, I thought you might lose your mind on this. You see who they've got. The This is the, uh, the pro football focus mock draft, three rounds. We don't we very unlikely that the players that they're picking are going to uh, be drafted by the Cardinals outside of maybe the first one because some guys get the first ones right but second third round are really really hard to do but you look at the positions look at the position that pro football focus has the Cardinals doing in the second round yeah you're right it does drive me crazy it's a running back running back running back, running back. yep in fact I've got a draft profile on Jamar Gibbs you want to okay it's from the new crew not from the so we're, we're guessing who voiced. All right, I get I get first pick. You do, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go Zach. Okay, so you're saying Zach Larson. It's either yes. Zach Larson, Jarrett Carlin, or Cody Fincher. I'm going to say, or Jesse Morrison. I'm sorry. I'm going to say that Jarrett Carlin voiced this one. Let's see what we got on the running back from Alabama, Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs, running back, Alabama. Gibbs was all SEC last year in his lone season at Alabama in 2022. The 5'9", 199-pound running back ran for 926 yards and seven touchdowns and had 444 receiving yards and three touchdowns. He possesses great speed as he ran a 4'3", 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine. He is lighted 
and quick on his feet, which allows for sudden lateral cuts, and his route running causes defenses problems if they are in man. He sometimes struggles with decisiveness when it comes to inside runs, and he could improve as a blocker. NFL comp, Saints running back, Alvin Kamara. It was Jesse Morrison again, so I missed out on that one, go. too. Yeah, it wasn't Jared Carlin, it wasn't Zach Larson, it was um, it was Jesse who voiced that one. So um, they've got the Cardinals going Will Anderson with a third pick. Then they have him going running back for the Bama kid we just played the profile for, number 34. Two picks in the third round. One's a cornerback, Tyreek Stevenson from Miami. And with a compensatory pick, they go with Andrew Voorhees, USC offensive guard. So that's what they – I always look at the positions, not the players as much, but just the positions. Because we know the positions of need, and you want to make sure that these, these mock drafts are, are hitting the positions of need for the Cardinals. Yeah, no, and that's – we're going to look at a lot of these mocks because obviously there's going to be just a heightened sense of importance with the draft this year and what the Cardinals are going to do. And and so anytime we see one, we look at it. And I, and I think, too, for me, anytime I look at one – if it involves the Arizona Cardinals trading down, I'm always curious to see what they're getting to trade down and how far they're going to fall and kind of who's available when they fall in the draft. Uh, I've got one here from CBS Sports. It dropped today, and it has the Vegas Raiders trading up to number three in a deal with the Cardinals. That would push the Cardinals down to number seven in the draft. They've got the Raiders taking C.J. Stroud. Now, what's interesting about this is some people at least ask the question, With the Raiders getting Jimmy Garoppolo, does that take them out of the market for moving up to get a quarterback? This mock draft thinks the answer to that question is no. It does not take them out of getting a quarterback in the draft. What I don't like about this mock, it doesn't tell me what the Cardinals get. I want to know what they got from the Raiders. I I want to know, because if they're going to fall down to seven... I want to know what they're getting to fall to seven. Like, is it worth it? Are they getting enough of a prospect return, enough of pick inventory to move back from three to seven to make it worth their while? That, to me, is the most important part of the equation, I think. Sure. Yeah, I mean... You move down to seven, you still put yourself in a position to get the best player available out of a few different positions, so I don't mind that. Uh, there was one yesterday that had him going down to 15, was it? Yes. That we looked at? Was that the... It was, it was uh, the Commanders. Washington? Yep, had him going down to 15. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not really interested in going down that far. Now, you got to give up a lot of inventory to go up from 15 to three. That's a lot of inventory. I get that. But you do take yourself out of you know being able to get the best player at certain positions. So moving down to seven is okay. I mean, I think think it's a really good chance that they stay at number three and they take Anderson. Uh, but I am, you know, I, I do look at the finances that are involved with that pick, and it's a very expensive pick, the number three pick. And uh, whether they, you know, if they make that pick, they've got to pay a lot and guaranteed money and signing bonus and it takes up a lot of cap space. I get that. Uh, but man, it could use Will Anderson. I'd be, at this point, I'm happy if they stay at three and take Will Anderson. If they move down to seven, this mock draft has them taking Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of Oregon with the seventh pick. Now, I've got his profile. I'm sorry, say again. We've seen that one a lot. We have seen Christian Gonzalez a lot. Um, We've got his profile here. Uh, I already remember who voiced it. Of course it is. It's Oregon. Yes, of course. It's the one, the only Aaron Maloney telling us about Christian Gonzalez. Christian Gonzalez, cornerback, Oregon. Gonzalez was as big of a winner as anyone at the NFL Combine. He posted a 4.38 40-yard dash, 41.5-inch vertical, and 11-foot, 1-inch broad jump that caught many eyes around the NFL. 
NFL. He's an explosive cornerback that made 12 starts in 2022 at Oregon, where he posted 50 tackles, 7 pass breakups, and a team-leading 4 interceptions, ultimately earning himself first-team All-Pac-12 honors. At 6'1 and 197 pounds, Gonzalez has the desired size and athletic traits to match up against opposing teams' number one receivers. His technique will get away from him at times, but he has all the ingredients to become a true CB1 at the next level. NFL comp, former Cardinals cornerback, Dominique Rogers-Cromartie. Leave me with this, Gamble, before we take it to break. The more... I, let me rephrase it. The less the Cardinals are involved in free agency, do you think that increases the chances that they trade out of three to get as many draft picks as they can? Or is there any correlation between the two at all? Yeah, I think there could be. I, me too. Me I too. think there could be. Yep. Um, look, they need they need a lot of draft picks. You know, that's why I was you know I was not crazy upset, but when you know Cody Ford's gone and Robbie Anderson's gone, they gave up three draft picks to trade for those guys, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh. Man, I'd like to have those picks right now, and not just to take players at those spots, but also the ability to move up in other rounds. You use those as enticing tidbits to move up a little bit. Um, the inactivity in free agency is 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 mind boggling a little bit. I mean, they've been very inactive in free agency. They've added a linebacker, and they've added a couple of other you know minimum players that we're not. Expecting to start or play a whole lot, but they, you know, the big signing they have is a, a linebacker from Philadelphia. They haven't really addressed the defensive line and the pass rush and the cornerback situation, and you know, to a certain extent, the offensive line. Maybe the kid from Denmark a little bit, but not really. Um, so I would think that maybe it would lead you to want to have more draft picks to try to bring in players that can help that are younger and. And for the most part, cheaper. Yeah. Text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line that's open for you right now at 620-620 when we come back. Maybe this is a rhetorical question. Maybe not. Did the Suns miss Jay Crowder? We're going to dive into that next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. John Gambadero, Dave Burns here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show. One other game about to go to a final in the NCAA tournament. Arkansas is about to beat Illinois 71-62. There's 12 seconds to go in the game. And then I think we hit a little bit of a pause in the action where the next game doesn't start for another like 45 minutes or so. Obviously, the two big stories of the day, U of A losing to Princeton. That's a 15 beating a 2. Furman beating Virginia. That was a 13 over a 4. Everything else has been mostly chalky, not like major upsets or anything, nothing that would like overly surprise anybody. But those are the two big things that have uh, upset the apple cart, so to speak, today. And a lot of people's brackets are kind of screwed because of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. I mean, second time Arizona's lost as a two seed. They lost to Santa Clara with Steve Nash way back in the day. Just a shocking upset. I mean, they, you know, this is your Pac-10 tournament champions. They were one of the best teams in college basketball all year. They've got one of the top 10 players in the country and in, in to Bellis, to go down to Princeton, just an absolute shocker for U of A. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so we'll keep everything and everybody updated on the tournament. In the meantime, tonight, the Suns back at home taking on the Orlando Magic, one of the really few, truly, and I hesitate to call it an easy game, but if you look at the schedule, it's it's really one of the few games they've got left on the schedule against a team that has very little to play for or isn't one of the better teams in the NBA. They just don't have very many of those kind of games left 
left. And so they get one tonight against Orlando. And obviously, given the three-game losing streak and still being a couple of weeks away from getting Kevin Durant, it'd be kind of a big deal if they were able to come back and win this one. There was a, a, a good column today, I thought, on Bright Side of the Sun from Dave King, kind of reminiscing still about Jay Crowder and the fact that he was just here a couple of days ago for that Bucks game, wondering how badly the Suns could use A.J. Crowder for this playoff run and how he would fit in perfectly with where they are now with Kevin Durant as a compliment to what they've got. I thought it was a really interesting column that he brought up. Yeah, no, there's no question because I mean I think you know because he didn't play for the Suns all year. I think your immediate thought is you know when they, when you talk about guys they're missing, oh they can really use Mikhail because of his defense and versatility, and they they just don't have that guy anymore. Or Cam, like man, it could really use a guy that can you know stroke the three and knock down those shots, and you know, if he, whether he was starting or coming off the bench, like you miss those guys. But Jay Crowder definitely brought an element to this team for two years that that was good. I mean he was a physical player. He was uh, he was an animal player. He would knock down some big threes for you. He was he was streaky. You know, but even in that game against the Suns, he knocked down a couple of big threes. He had the dagger shot with about a minute and 20 left that kind of put the game out of, out of reach. Plays hard, rebounds the basketball, and yeah, that's a perfect guy you'd like to have. But when you're building a team, and you're spending a lot of money on four guys, super max for Book, super max for Durant, max for DeAndre Ayton, close to max for Chris Paul, you don't have, you, don't, you can't fill the roster with a bunch of other the $10 million guys. You know, it's hard to have that. You, you can't have four other guys making $10 million that are coming off the bench. You're filling it with veteran minimums guys. So, yeah, I think that they I think they miss all three yes. in a certain... Now, if you have Kevin Durant and you've got the best one-two punch and you win it all, you, you deal with that, right? You had to give up something to get something. They obviously did that. Yeah, they did. And, and you're so right about the roster and the makeup. I, I mean, you invest that much into the big four the way the Suns have, and you just have to... You don't really have much of a choice other than to make really good, smart decisions among inexpensive players to fill out the rest of your roster. And I hope I hope the Suns have done that with what they've got left, whether it's Torrey Craig, whether it's Josh Okoge, whether it's Ish Wainwright. I, I, I hope that they've done well enough with those other guys. That Because Dave's not wrong. Dave King from Bright Side of the Suns, not wrong. Jay would be the perfect combination of defense, the occasional three-point shooting, the smart play out there, the edge that he plays with to be a great compliment and and we can't sit here and pine for the days of Jay Crowder. He hasn't played a game for the Suns all year long. It's not like we we can woulda coulda shoulda this one. It was never going to happen. But he it now the question is who who on the Suns roster for the rest of the regular season and into the playoffs can provide that. Is it a Kogi? Is it Torrey Craig? Is it Ish Wainwright? Who's, who is going to be the guy who is going to emerge to be the one to make you forget about Jay Crowder, to make you forget what they yeah. don't have anymore? That, I think, is the big question moving forward. Yeah. You know, I, I think in many ways the Suns probably hoped it's not going to be him, but they probably hoped it was going to be Landry Shamit. So the Suns have, you know... 40, 77, 107, 135 to 140 million in their top four guys. The next highest paid player is Landry Shamit. The Suns have one guy. They, they have no other players outside of the top four making 10 million. Nobody. Everybody else is less. Landry's at 9.5. Then Cameron Payne at 6. Torrey at 5. And then you've got 
Biz at minimum, Damian Lee at minimum, Josh Akogi at minimum, TJ Warren at minimum, Jock Landell at minimum, Saban Lee at minimum, Ish Wainwright at minimum. I mean, that's that's what you have. I mean, that's the price of doing business when you have all your money, you know, tied into four guys. And I, I you know, I do. I think that they would have loved for it to be Landry Shamit, a, a guy who could score the basketball starting or off the bench, um, but he hasn't been able to give them anything. Now, you know, when that contract ends, I think a lot of people are going to be very happy. I think so too. And I, I still, you know, it's it's funny. I don't know when he's coming back. I don't know when, you know, what update we've got on Landry Shaman. I mean, I know it's it's been, it's taken forever, and it might take even longer than that to get him back. So I don't know when he's coming back. I do think that when he's at the top of his game, that Landry Shamit is in some ways exactly what the Suns need because he is a good hybrid of both the offense and the defense. Now, his offense is, a lot of it depends on the confidence that he has in his shot, and sometimes his confidence really falters, that he doesn't really believe in it, and you could see it. I think he's a good defender. I think we saw that at times last year. I think he's a really good mix of that. Beyond that, I, I, I tell you, the guy, the guy that I think is going to end up playing a role for them is Ish. I, I have a feeling that Ish is going to be the one that no matter what is going to be the one who gets the minutes, is going to be the one who steps up and stands out as sort of that reserve who can do a little bit of everything. Obviously, you got to count on his shooting and that, you know, you, it's a question mark. But I think his defense, his intensity, his hustle, Monty really likes him. I think Monty trusts him probably more than he maybe trusts some of the other guys out there. I, I suspect it might be Ish, who's the one who rises above the rest. Yeah, it could be. I mean, he, he, you know, Monty does love the, the the he rebounds the basketball. He plays well at the three point shot. He's you know he's not the best three point shooter, but he's not afraid to take it. Sometimes he knocks down some big ones. Sometimes he doesn't. Um, for a long time, for a few years, the bench was one of the strengths of the Phoenix Suns. You know, when they didn't have Chris Paul, when they didn't have, you know, Kevin Durant, when DeAndre wasn't on a max, they were able to go get some players and they had a good, strong bench. But it's hard to have that, that bench now. Landry hasn't played since, like, mid-January. Like, he's been out for a long time. It has been a long time. Yeah, he's been out for a long time. So I don't even know if he can, you know, if he can come back and, and help this team with how long that he's been out. So, and we haven't heard anything about the update from him. We'll have to check on that. Yeah. But I, you know, I'll, and I'll try to check on that today. But he's been out for a while. Somebody's got somebody's to step up. I, I, I see where you're kind of going there. They do need somebody to step up, especially without, um, without Kevin Durant. Is, is that one of the starters? Or is that one of the bench players? But it's got to be somebody, right? It has to be somebody. I mean, Book, we talked about Book being on an island all by himself in that last game. I mean, the starters didn't really give him anything. DeAndre didn't have a good fourth quarter. A Kogi has not shot the ball well the entire month. He's been really, really off. So he hasn't played well. Monty's experimenting, right? He brought Biz in first as the backup center. And then when DA got in foul trouble, he said, let me go to Landale because I got to try, try to get some offense. So, you know, Monty continues to experiment with lineups to try to find the right connection of guys to play. Lots of college basketball games to catch you up on. How's your bracket? How are our brackets? Yeah. Yeah, we'll tell you next on the Birds and Gambo Show.